As humans, we find ourselves wanting to plan out every single detail of our journey, from a short vacation to a long-term career path. Inevitably, though, we find ourselves on an unexpected path every now and then, or even a detour. But this unexpected journey is a sweet surprise because they show us some of God's sweetest blessings. That's today on the podcast. from the Tower Hill production team. Thank you so much for listening into our Tower Hill podcast. Whenever or wherever you're listening, we hope this podcast blesses you, and we hope that you feel free to share it with someone that you know so that they'll feel blessed too. We're our second weekend to this sermon series called On the Road Again, and I hope it gets everyone just kind of stomping and snapping your fingers and thinking about that good old road traveling music. On the Road Again, Finding God in life's unexpected journeys. Because really in life, the journeys that we expect are usually not the most meaningful journeys of our lives, but rather the, the journeys that God places us on that we didn't see coming. That's often true. And so how do we navigate this in life? Because we are wired in such a way that we always like to know what's coming. We were taught from a young age to plan our lives out in such a way that we get where we hope to go, sort of like a road trip. We put little push pins on the map, and we, we treat our lives this way, and we say, well, if I get to this level, then therefore I'm a success. Like on vacation, if we managed to see the world's biggest ball of twine, it was a success. But sort of like our lives, if we get to this, this place, this push pin, then this push pin, then we are living a successful, flourishing, wonderful life. But then what happens more often than not is, well, we didn't hit that push pin in quite the time frame we had in mind. I thought it was going to be a day trip. It took me a week to get there. Or maybe, just maybe, my life is so derailed from what my plan was, I have no idea even where I am on the map. And usually we find ourselves somewhere in between all of that. Here's the thing, growing things flourish. You can't flourish unless you're growing. Growing happens from the unexpected journeys, not the ones that we see coming. When it comes to God, we can't be afraid of the unexpected journeys Because God is usually waiting to bless us through them. And we saw Abraham's story last week. How he had to trust God. He had no idea what was going to happen. Oh yeah, leave everything behind. And go to the land that I will show you. I'm not going to tell you now. I'm going to wait until you're on the road. These journeys require trust. So how do we navigate the unexpected journey? And this week, I want to talk about the unexpected journey that happens after we've had a moment with God, when we feel like we've been on the mountaintop with God, what usually then happens is our feet are placed on a journey that we didn't really see coming, at least not in the same way we did before the mountaintop. You know, 
it's really about what our culture is obsessed with. Our culture is absolutely obsessed with identity. Everything is customizable to you, and you customizable to everything. In fact, so much time and energy is placed on this. To define yourself is such a complicated thing. And in our culture, you have a million different options. You don't believe me? Just go to any Barnes and Noble and try to buy a Bible. You ever do that? You go to buy a Bible there? It's like the options are just paralyzing. I mean, if I walk in there and I'm like, yeah, do you have anything for like a mildly depressed 40-year-old mid-level manager Bible? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, fourth shelf down, you know. I mean, it's so, everything's so customizable. You customize your entertainment experience. You customize everything. I mean, you can customize so much, like on Facebook. If you have a Facebook profile, you customize everything, all your favorite books and movies, every job you ever had, every relationship you were ever in. There are actually on Facebook, there are 71 gender options for you to choose from. And like, I can't even honestly really fathom what that means, but, but it's not because Facebook, Facebook decided to do that. It was what the customers wanted. And that somehow it's all about customizing who you are. This journey of self-discovery that leads to this very granular and specific idea of your identity. Even our technology, our cell phones in our pockets, have a biometrics in them so that only you can access that information. Now, I'm not just going to sit here and say, well, that's, that's just a horrible thing. It's all about this quest to discover the real you. Who do you say that you are? And there are a million different ways that you can identify with who you are. Here's the good thing about it. I do think that it, it drills deep down into the way that we're wired by God, that we are wired to be known. We are wired to know and to be known, to be loved for who we are. We are wired that way. God wants us to know who we are. But I think the downside is there are simply so many options you could be paralyzed by the decision. I have no idea who I am because I'm so confused. It's like going to the cafeteria to get your food. There's just too many options. And when you're confused, here's, here's really the spiritual impact. When you're confused about who you are, it makes it harder to follow the journey that God wants you to take. Because you're all wrapped up in, in you. You're not sure where to step. If you can't trust in that, how's, how are you going to trust God's unexpected journey for your life? It just makes it harder. It's not impossible. It just makes it harder. Because what every you know, college grad knows is that once you know who you are, your journey becomes more clear. I knew after I took organic chemistry, I really didn't want to be a chemistry major. <laughs> My journey was becoming more clear as I went. And when it becomes more clear, it's easier to follow. When you know who you are, your journey becomes more clear. I want to take a look at Jesus' journey today. 
Because I think it says a lot about the unexpected journeys that God takes us on. That begin maybe with a mountaintop experience, a time when we feel close with God, and then he sets our feet on our path to come. This is when, actually, Jesus is baptized. I'm going to read a little bit ahead of what's printed in your bulletin. I'm going to read for the end of chapter 3 where he's baptized, and then we're going to go into chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is Matthew 3, 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Now think about that just for a moment. This is one of those classic scriptures that I think we're guilty of reading too fast. Imagine this moment. You're living in the ancient Near East. You don't have Netflix. You don't have all, there's not a whole lot going on. You're probably playing with a stick if you're a kid. And then this moment happens where this man is baptized and he comes up out of the water and the spirit descends like a dove on him. And a voice from heaven is heard saying, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And then imagine it not just as a bystander, but as Jesus. Now I'm going to say something that may sound heretical. Trust me, it's not. Boy, how many horrible things have been said with that preface. Perhaps this is the moment when Jesus realizes who he is for the first time. Perhaps. And the reason I say it is because we're often to say, oh, well, it's Jesus. He knows everything. He knew. Yeah, but as, as a six-year-old, did he know he'd die on the cross? I don't know. He was still human. Maybe his journey unfolded for him. Maybe it became clearer once he knew who he was. And in this moment of baptism, his identity from the Father is made absolutely clear. This is my son. The son who belongs to me. It had to be at least until that point, the highlight of Jesus' life. That moment. I would call that moment a mountaintop moment. What do I mean by that, that? I mean, it's a time in your life when you feel that you are experiencing God in such a clear and powerful way that you can't help but be transformed by it. That whatever your path was leading up to it, you know is a different path descending it. Sometimes it feels miraculous in the moment. Sometimes it's an event. Sometimes it's a season. Sometimes it's a process. But you know it when it happens. You feel close to God in a different way than you normally do. Sometimes we get there in the strangest of ways. Sometimes we get there from tragedy that strikes in our lives. And we end up turning to God in this new and vulnerable way. And and it kind of wakes us up from our spiritual slumber. It's a mountaintop, and in that mountaintop, God gives us our identity. On that mountaintop, God tells us who we are. He reminds us, perhaps, of who we are called to be. 
But not just who we are, but whose we are. We belong to him. So that's the mountaintop. Watch what happens right after this moment. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Come on! I thought we were having a moment. Can't we just extend this party a little bit? Talk about an unexpected journey. Jesus in this moment, this is my son. And then, all right, let's go into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Do you see what the devil did just there? It's what happens to every single one of us after we've been on the mountain. When we're on the mountaintop, God tells us who we are. What are the first words out of the devil's mouth? If you are the Son of God, do this. He's immediately challenging his identity. First thing, immediately challenge, if you, if you really are the Son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he tries it again, if you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. All right, strike two, Satan. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Slightly different strategy this time. This time he didn't challenge who he was. He challenged whose he was. Well, you're his son, but if you'll worship me, I'll give you all of this. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. What happens to Jesus in this moment is what happens to every single one of us after we've been on the mountaintop with God. Those of you who know me well know that I'm not the kind of preacher who believes that every time I trip, Satan had stuck his leg out. First of all, I don't believe Satan has that much power. He is not omniscient and he's not omnipresent. Usually, I trip and fall down just fine by myself. (laughs) But I do believe that spiritual warfare is true. I've lived it. You've lived it. You know that there is a battle going on between who God says you are and who the world says you are or who you say you are. You know there's a battle going on in your own soul between whose you are and who you are. Yes, absolutely, it is real. And the reality of that spiritual warfare is this. After you're 
your vision has become clear. Your, who you are is clear, and your journey is set before you. You will immediately face obstacles. And you'll immediately be challenged so that you'll start thinking, did I hear God right? Maybe I just kind of made that up in my head. I, maybe I didn't hear anything at all. You know you've been there. You might be there right now. Did I hear? Nah. Maybe I just, you know, had some bad fish or something. No. You will be challenged. When the Spirit leads us toward a new journey, it's going to face spiritual obstacle. During the descent, both who you are and whose you are will be challenged. For Jesus, it was if you were the Son of God. Or if you do this, if you worship me, you'll get all of this. Trust is the only way to navigate the journey. And you think, well, what does that really look like? What does it look like in our lives to go through this experience? And sometimes, usually it's very subtle. In fact, I think for most of us, if the devil came to us and was as blatant as he was with Jesus, we would probably resist, I would hope. But usually, my experience has been it's much more subtle than that. It's something like, okay, I've had this amazing kind of mountaintop moment with God, and I feel like God's telling me to do this, to go on to this unexpected journey. But then I start thinking, well, wait a minute, but then I have this other opportunity that somehow simultaneously came my way. What a coincidence. And this opportunity on the outside looks like it's better. Maybe it's a job promotion. And after all, I need more money for my family. And after all, doesn't God tell me to take care of my family? So isn't this really for God anyway? See what happens? And you end up going chasing after a version of you that isn't the flourishing, growing version that God has in mind for you. There may be some blessing in it, but it's never going to be the blessing that God wanted you to take when he came down the mountain. How do you know the difference? That's a great question. How do you know the difference between stuff that you think you're saying in your head and God telling you to go do something? Well, I'll give you a couple of practical ways. The first is this. You have to be in a regular communication with God. So, uh, so if you don't have a, a habit of praying on a regular basis or doing a devotional, or reading scripture, or getting together with other Christians and talking and praying together, then it's sort of like playing Marco Polo with your head underwater. You can't hear where you're supposed to go. Makes it really hard to follow that unexpected journey. You gotta have a regular habit of tuning in. Because what happens is, God reveals our journey to us as we go. Doesn't reveal everything up front. It's as we go. It's take a step here, and then take another step here, and another step here. The other thing is, is what you're feeling consistent with Scripture? Is it traveling in the direction of Scripture? And is it traveling in the direction, direction of blessing for others? If you can say yes to those things... That's probably a path God wants you to go. 
This is the spiritual practice of discernment, that you can discern what God wants. And guess what? He wants you to know what he wants. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 talk all about this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. How many times have I heard people, and how many times have I even said it myself? Oh, I just don't know what God wants from me. If he would just tell me, just give me a sign. He says in Scripture that he will. But it's a process of renewing your mind. Not conforming to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind this regular spiritual habit. And then your journey will become clear. Who you are will become clear. I think the real question is if you believe God knows better than you do. Right? Isn't that really what it is? Do we think God knows better than we do? What we need in order to grow and to flourish? If you don't believe that, I simply can't help you. I mean, I don't know what else to say. But if we do, we gotta trust. We gotta trust. I was trying to think of a story of um, someone who, who did just this, who had this mountaintop experience that set them on a different path and they said yes to that path and how it made uh, a difference in their flourishing. And uh, since you all know my story already, I was looking at this story. I came across this story a couple of weeks ago from someone named George Mueller, who lived from 1805 to 1898, which that's a really long time back then to live anyway. Uh, as a kid, he was known, so he, uh, growing up outside of London, he, he was a kid and he was actually known at 10 years old for being a gambler. He was known for his kind of wild partying, even as a, as a child. I mean, drunkenness. There was something in there that said that technically he was stealing from the government. Somehow he was taking someone's check and cashing it. Something was going on, and it wasn't good. He had this bad reputation. He grew up in a Christian home, but he says he really didn't understand that that meant anything for your life. It's sort of like I was thinking about my mom and how she probably would have said, if asked, that she, that she was a Christian. And her definition was, well, I'm not Jewish. Like, that, that's really, that's what she, people have said, that's what she said. When, okay. But I, it was sort of like that. Like, he was growing up and he didn't have any kind of understanding of what the Christian life was supposed to be. He, he even, this is my favorite part, he went to seminary and continued said lifestyle which I'm not going to say anything about seminaries, but surely today that would never happen. But he, and then he goes to a prayer meeting in 1825 that he said changed his whole life. He walked into this meeting, and for him, this was his mountaintop. He says he had this transforming experience of Jesus. That, that's all that it said. I don't know any more detail than that in this prayer meeting. So he was on the mountaintop. But then, soon after, he joined this ministry in London. He became very ill. 
almost deathly ill. Then he recovered. Then the ministry opportunity in London didn't work out. And all I can think to myself is, yes, that's what happens to us. We're told who we are. We have this mountaintop, and we come down onto this new path that God has set for us. And immediately, it's like obstacle, obstacle, obstacle. And it gets us questioning if we ever heard God right at all. And so here he is in this kind of failed ministry attempt, living in London with his wife, and he notices something. He notices the plight of orphaned children in the city. Said there were scores of them. And this is before Oliver Twist and any attention had been brought to the situation in London. And he feels that he and his wife are supposed to open their home. So they open their home and they have 30 kids stay with them. By the year 1870, he had five homes built in the London area that housed a total of 1,722 kids. To this day, George Mueller has a foundation that helps orphan children in the London area all these years later. Why? Because when he listened to God, he was in the right place at the right time. It was an unexpected journey for sure, and he was challenged on that journey of faith but it led him exactly, he persevered. It led him exactly to where he was supposed to be. And his life turned out to be a blessing for countless children and their families and their families and their families. Generational blessing. It's the unexpected journeys that lead to the greatest blessing. What about you? What about you this morning? Maybe you're still not sure exactly who you are. Or maybe that's been put into question by recent things that have happened in your life. Maybe you feel like you haven't had a mountaintop with God in decades. Or maybe you feel like you have had a mountaintop and you're not sure exactly what to do with what you've been told. I want to encourage you this morning to trust. If you want a mountaintop, pray for it. God will give it to you. Can't manufacture it. God will give it to you, though. Why? Because he wants you to know his will. He wants you to feel that closeness with him. And he wants to set your feet on a path that he has designed for you, which probably is an unexpected journey. Let's have the faith to get on the road again with God. Maybe that road begins today. Amen. Amen.